How is it going, everyone? Hope your day is going great. I welcome you to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we get into today's episode, I had a quick question for you. If you're listening, have you ever been an investor anymore? Have you ever put money into an entity to end with an expectation of a return? Hmm? Some of you, not all of you. Well, now is your chance. You can be an angel investor in Forward Thinking Founders. The podcast. And no, you don't got to be an accredited investor. All you need is $10 a month or $100 a year. Now, what does this get you? What's your ROI? Well, it gets you a ton. First of all, you don't have to listen to me pitch you this every single episode. So you bypass all ads and all future sponsorships. You get premium content as you get the full episode of every single episode that comes out, as many of them are kind of blocked halfway through. You get access to our online community where you get to see access to the episodes sometimes days before or weeks before they hit the uh, before they hit the internet. And lastly, you get access to our in-person meetups, which we are having the first one in San Francisco in late January. So if all of that sounds groovy and you want to help out a fellow creator, which is me, and help me kind of invest into this podcast to make it better, then please become an angel investor in forward-thinking founders. How do you do it? You can find our terms and our, our sheet and all of our documentation at glow.fm slash F20R. That's glow.fm slash F20R. It is best done on mobile, and I look forward to having you as a supporter. Now, let's get into today's episode. Run it! All right, how is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Nathan Ganser, who is the creator, the co-founder of NatBot. Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Excited to be there and excited to yeah. hear your questions. I am excited to have you on. It's, uh, I feel like it, we had some, uh, you know, 100% because of me. We had a little, it took a little second to, to get you on the air and, and have this conversation. But now that you're here, I'm super, super, super stoked to dive deep into what you're working on. And with that, let's just kind of dive right in. Uh, for people that don't know, what are you working on? What is NatBot? So I'm working on a personal CRM. Basically, we are trying to solve a problem, but we're not completely sure what the problem is. Realistically, we are in the same way you use a calendar to help you remember your friend's birthdays. We're trying to bring this to the next level and help you not only remember birthdays, but basically remember people and like people you might lose touch with and trying to do this in a smart way where you don't have to do any manual data input and yeah, trying to build some smart AI to help you do that. So ultimately, what I'm wondering is, you know, this is a problem that a lot of people want solved. And as you know, there's tons of people that are, that are tackling it. So what's your thesis on the market or your thesis on how to wedge into the market? Yeah, you're definitely right on this. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, on Twitter, it always it keeps coming up. You have some other popular VC who just says, I just need a personal CRM. And every time, I'm like, yeah, right, actually, we need to get back to this. And we're still figuring it out. We have no clue. Um, realistically, from our user research, ideally what people would want is just a tool that does the job for you that literally, well, I mean, we all want the easy solution, you know, you just like buy this SaaS tool and you're in touch with all the people that matter to you. But obviously it's not that easy. 
Um, also, most social networks, social medias, they hate sharing data or giving it away to anyone else. Um, so it's definitely not easy to, to um, gather all the contact data our users have. Um, so there are like tons of different angles. What we have tried to do is get as narrow as possible, get rid of everything that we cannot really solve. So like LinkedIn, Facebook, WhatsApp, whatever, what is encrypted, we don't touch. And we just focus on Gmail for now because they have a solid API. And that's where actually most of the valuable contacts are. They're in your emails. And so that's what we're focusing on. So let's go into how it works. If I was to become a user and uh, um, yeah, let's go through our workflow. So I sign up for Napbot and is it add everyone that I've ever emailed into like a list or, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Take me through a workflow yeah, as if I was to sign up. So super simple, uh, just a web app, you sign up and what we will ask you to do is to sync, sync your Gmail uh, data. So either through, uh, you actually give us all the access to your uh, Gmail data or you kind of give us access only to the Gmail metadata. We're still figuring this out. Um, but then what we do is we go through all your email interactions, we look at your contacts and we figure out like who you're closely in touch with, who you're losing touch with, um, who are just spam and you don't care about uh, and trying to build in kind of a, a big map of your network. And then we put this into a list from and try to, and we tell you like, these are the people you're losing touch with and these are the people you're in touch with. And we do this through a closeness indicator uh, that we're computing. And so you, so you just see the list of all your contacts uh, ranked by how close you are to them. And so the goal is that you just scroll through the list and you're like, oh yeah, right, this guy. And you just reach out again. So I have, you know, I've emailed a ton of people in my life and I'm sure, you know, I'm young, you know, so I'm sure there's other people that have emailed 20 times more people than me, right? Um, and uh, like people later in their career, more experience, et cetera. How, I guess one of the most interested in is the intake. When someone signs up and they, and they get a list, how do you handle the overwhelming feeling of, holy shit, I have 20,000, I have 50,000 people that are on this and I'm supposed to rank them? Is it that or how, kind of how do you think about that? I, I, I can't get past that in my head. Yeah, I mean, Honestly, it, it, that, that's kind of how it was in the beginning. And to be fair, like the algorithm has changed a lot. We keep improving it, realizing that this is not working, this edge case is not working. Um, so, so realistically, you might have reached out to 20,000 people in your life, but there are only so many people you're still actually in touch with and only so many people with whom you're losing touch with, but you're not completely out of sync. Obviously, all the people you're out of sync with, we just don't care. We forget because the, the guy who you haven't reached out to since three years, it's done. What we're interested in is where you're kind of losing touch, but it's not completely the end yet. And so that's usually maybe 200 people or something like this. Oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's a really good clarification. So do you know that based on... Like, do you have data on the last time I emailed someone and, like, the distance between times that I've emailed? Is, is that data you have access to? Yeah, yeah. So oh, we don't look awesome. at, the, uh, at the content of email. We look at, yeah, all the interactions you had, when, kind of the average between two interactions, when was the last time you interacted. And so trying to get us narrow. Huh, and do you have a, a threshold? Or does the user set the threshold? What I mean by that is, let's say, I want to... This is actually kind of interesting now that I'm thinking through it. Like if I signed up 
and I said, you know, I'm really trying to keep in touch with all the VCs that I've, you know, that I've talked to in the last year that responded once. Like if they never responded, I don't want to talk to them. But if they, if we had one back and forth, like I want to chat with them, I guess would I be able to to do that? Or if not, like how, I mean, I want to dive into this algorithm or this whatever it is, because I think that's really interesting how you can identify people that are kind of fading away, but not gone. But that's, I think, a sweet spot. Yeah, it's it's super complicated and the algorithm is super complex. And to be fair, it's also uh, partly literally hard-coded. So you have a, a lot of if that, then this. Of course. Um, um, especially like some basic stuff is basically you need to have emailed him and he has to email has to have emailed you yeah. first. Uh, we must be sure that there is like a two-way thing. And then, uh, yeah, we look at so many data points. But yeah, the mains are really like when was the last time you interacted? Yep. The further this is away, the worse, then, then kind of it's getting bad. But then it depends on the average between two interactions, right? Uh, let's say there is a guy that, you know, you met him 10 years ago, you send maybe two emails per year, and you're in touch. Everything is fine. Well, we, we are able to understand this. Whereas if someone else, like, you know, you send him one email per day during a week, and then nothing anymore, and then with this guy, after a few weeks, you can be out of sync. And so... That's something we're trying to understand too. Uh, but obviously, like, I think our main value proposition will be this algorithm, and it's a huge challenge. And we're definitely still working on it, so it's not perfect at all. Of course, yeah. It's, um, I feel like you're, you'll always be improving it, even once it is yeah. really good, right? Um, and I'm sure it's already good now. It's just always about improving. I'm, I'm interested in what is the skill set of you and your co-founder? Like, what, what does it take to work on this? this algorithm, this unique problem that no one has solved yet. And the, I feel like the company who solves it, it will be some sort of a land grab. Um, and it's, I, like, I, I feel like it's not, it's not a, a market where one wins. Like, I don't think it's necessarily like that in, in the case of like Uber or Lyft. But it's one that like when one catches on, it's going to spread like wildfire. A wildfire. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what, what's your skill set, um, technically or non-technically, to be able to like, build NatBot and push it into yeah. the masses. So we're both actually 19, so pretty young, I'd say. Um, I actually, uh, well, I'm doing uni right now, but uh, that's actually kind of a side thing to finance the startup because my uni is, is financing, is, is giving us grants. Um, but uh, I was working last year for startups in London and Berlin, and that's where I kind of acquired my you know, like marketing business development skills. Um, and so I'm actually not technical. I'm actually studying computer science to catch up um, but it's not what I do. Um, I'm actually the one building the algorithm because that's something I can do. I can play around in Python. Um, but my co-founder is actually the guy who is building the web app. Wait, I, I need to break something up there. You said you're not technical, but you're the one building the algorithm? Yeah, because, you know... The, the, like, I, this like, is the, excuse, wait, excuse <laughs> me for my, like... I'm not, obviously, I'm not technical either. So could you please... Uh, Explain to me how, how you consider yourself not technical, but like you're building an algorithm. Like, I guess I don't even know what an algorithm truly is. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I get your point. Um, I mean, like, I'm definitely more technical than the average, let's say that way, but I'm really like a, like a no-code technical guy. I mean, you were mentioning the guy from Webflow. It's basically this kind of non-technical. Like, I'm able to build simple things. I build all my websites using some tools. Um, and so the algorithm is basically just a complex uh, spreadsheet. That's basically what it is. And so my co-founder, he just checks out the web, the spreadsheet, and he rebuilds this. Uh, yeah, so. 
I want to dive into this because you're you're literally the the prime example of of like you 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 nonchalantly say oh, like I'm building the algorithm I'm doing this but then you say you're doing it with no code and it shows the power that no code technologies give to anyone in the world to build whatever almost whatever the hell they want like I'm curious why what well, one what if you don't mind sharing your like no code stack. What specific tools are you using? How'd you pick those? And how'd you get into, like, were you always a no-code believer? Or did it take some convincing from just the market? Well, look, you're there trying to build a software or a web app, whatever, and you don't know how to code and you're stuck. And so basically you have to find a solution. Um, and so, I mean, I ended up playing a lot with chatbots because that's basically the closest you can get to a super complex web app, but without having to build the whole um, back end and front end, because chatbots are just super simple, so like a Facebook Messenger chatbot. Um, but still, like, there is a, a, a huge gap between what I can do and what my co-founder can do. And I mean, we're doing a pretty good job at bridging the two, but I'm still super limited. I mean, like, I can make any kind of website that just looks good, but you, it's never going to be a web app. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. There are some no-code tools that are pretty advanced that I'm starting to dive into. Obviously, there's Webflow for front-end and kind-of-ish back-end, but not really. But then you get the ones that I'm... And I feel like Webflow is going to move into the area I'm about yeah. to talk about. Then you got back-end where you got like Adalo and Bubble and Boundless. And I actually, for my company, uh, the company that I'm working for right now, I, I'm trying to convince uh, the CEO uh, to let me build something out in Boundless because it's like, <laughs> it'll take not much time. But um, do you see, you, know, you mentioned that you're 19. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued. Like, I, I, sometimes I consider my, myself like fairly young, but I'm also not at all. Like, I'm 26. There's a whole generation from like, like 10 year old all the way to, to, to graduates that probably see way more stuff you know than i do because they're in it right so i'm kind of curious what are trends that you're seeing with your peers in your generation that um that you think is peter teal would say are like secrets like things that you do or you use or no code or whatever like what just what are you seeing in your in your talented friends that may not be obvious to you know the rest of the world if you're open to sharing well honestly that's that's a tough question um and and let me think I it's actually like a, like a, uh, what I am starting to like see more and more is that we're like getting away from whatever news feeds or social media stuff trying mm. to like get time back and using more tools that basically like one thing I'm starting to hate more and more and actually most of my friends too is any app that has a feed like something mm. that you can just scroll and scroll because it's just yeah. you lose so much time and it's addictive. Um, and so like a, a, good, a nice trend is kind of making cool things, but they're like a game. So you're incentivized to do this. Pioneer is an amazing example of this, um, but without actually taking all of your time or like making money using your attention or, or whatever. So trying to make games that are fun to play, but they're not really games, if you see what I mean. Oh, definitely. I mean, Superhuman does this too. Uh, it, it not as much gamification as Pioneer, but it's this like use gaming or gamification, you know, ideas or game theory or whatever to mm -hmm. uh, to make 
something more efficient, make use of a product better um, versus just taking out your phone, uh, laying down on Twitter, you know, and just like, and I, the thing is, the sad thing is I enjoy, like I enjoy it and I will probably continue to do it because it's just what I've done for the last however many years. But like, no, it's not a good use of time. I wish I did it. <laughs> it's just like, this, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I'll be honest, I do get a lot of value out of Twitter. It's where I find a lot of my guests. It's where I feel like I've gotten like broken into San Francisco literally just through Twitter. But um, <laughs> I don't know. What was your experience like with Pioneer? Um, like, how would you hear about it? Because I know you're, you're not based in SF. So one, how would you hear yeah. about it? And two, uh, what has it been like, um, you know, going through the experience? And I, I, think, win, I think winning, right? You, you yeah. Pioneer. yeah. Cool. Yeah. It, it has honestly been great. Um, I think it's, it's one of the best examples of a gamifi gamified uh, platform. And I actually don't remember how I found out about it. I think I was doing this YC startup school. And someone there mentioned Pioneer, I think. And so I just signed up. And obviously in the beginning, you're like, yeah, okay. But then there is a leaderboard. So you always want to get to the top of the leaderboard, right? Uh, and so uh, it just becomes this game. And I think we play it for 15 weeks. Just every week, you just submit your progress. You see other people progressing. And it's like, it's pretty cool. And you're like, oh, fuck. He did all this. And I literally did nothing this week. And well, one day you just get an email. Hey, you won. Keep it a secret for now. But you won. And then you... You look at the offer, you see like all the stuff you win and you're like, I mean, we, we have 100K in AWS credits, right? And this is beautiful. It's, it's, it's a huge gift. So, what experience. If you're open to diving in, something I want to explore and something I've become very interested in recently is the fact that it, without Pioneer, on my end... You know, there's a lot, there's some people, there's some products, there's some that I even use and some people that I've had on my podcast, I never would have heard of. And that is the case with, um, I think it's the thing that Pioneer set out to do. They set out to go out and find these, I think, hidden geniuses or however Daniel phrases <laughs> it around the world and like, you know, give them the resources they need. Like, I'm curious, do you see other, I know, what do you just think about that topic? Like there, there, there are millions of, of, of geniuses out there. They don't live in San Francisco. They don't live in New York. And right now, from what I know, there's pretty much two things trying to identify these people. There's Pioneer, and then there's Forward Thinking Founders. My goal is to try to like, find these people. But do you, do you see more of these kind of vehicles to find unproven talent out there? Or is it still a little bit the wild, wild west, you know, in your opinion, as you went through Pioneer? No, I mean, like, like the, the sign is very clear. When you have a guy who works at YC and who leaves YC to start his own um, little accelerator, incubator, then you know there is something wrong. And uh, it's, it's completely right. I mean, like, like YC is basically that's what they try to do, but it's not scalable. Um, and also they just have this um, application process that is whatever they do, it, it will be subjective and it's not, you cannot actually get the right people. Um, and so, uh, like what, what Pioneer, uh, my guess is Pioneer will, will become the next y uh, YC and be much bigger and much better because they're so scalable, uh, super cheap, and they just get a share in any potentially good business in the world. So they will definitely catch the next uh, Airbnb. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting you mentioned that because YC is at a place where they're, they're so big and so good that they will reject, they have to reject a bunch of hundred million dollar companies 
billion dollar companies, not because they're bad pickers, but because they got to find the $10 billion companies and, and that, that, and the $50 billion companies. But this, I, I don't know if, I don't know how well that's going to play out. Um, I'm, I'm definitely biased. I've been rejected a, a, a several times. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because I know a lot of very talented founders that are on the billion dollar track. They got rejected too. And I'm just like, like it's pioneer going to be the one uh, to not make any mistakes because they're using more of like a data approach versus kind of a, who do you know? Or just like, are you really, really far along or are you from Facebook? You know, I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, uh, I mean, what you, the, the trend you see is it started with like big VC companies, right? To invest in big companies. And then we have uh, YC and more and more like kind of other, uh, angels and who, who start to invest early and pioneer is basically going even further and and basically cutting them out and, and starting as early as you can you, you can't get much much earlier than 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 a pioneer and then they just give you what you need it's not a lot it's super cheap for them um and they are have the right to invest with with you once you raise so it's it's the best deal ever the, i mean it's, it's i mean and they're so in the the right time the timing for Pioneer is so right. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what's happening. Yeah, you're definitely. I feel like a an evangelist for them, as as you should be. You know, you went through the you went through the 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 accelerator or tournament or whatever, and you won. And now you understand the power of it. Um, I I I'd like to see more. It would be really cool if if Pioneer and Forward Thinking Founders got like a shit ton of competition, because um, it literally means. The, 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 the people that benefit from for that are the hidden geniuses out in Uruguay, in Chad, in Israel, in, you know, you know, and I just, everyone just wants to, everyone needs consensus. Like, Oh, like you think that person's cool. You think that person's cool. Okay, cool. You know, let's invest. It's like, no, like conviction. Um, anyways, I feel like my next, my next, sorry, I'm like ranting right now. I apologize. Let's go, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go. <laughs> I, I do that sometimes. Um, let's go back to, to what you're working on. So what is the, uh, what's the big play? Um, I mean, you, as you know, you, and as mentioned, there's a lot of people working on this. No one's figured it out. If you're the company to figure it out, if Nat is it, um, you know, what, two questions. One, how big could it be and what could it become? And two, if you're even thinking about this yet, although it might be a little too early, how do you think about a strategy? Um, just positioning yourself in a strategic way that allows you to win with network effects or moats or whatever. Just interested to hear how you think about any of that. Yeah, I mean, so, so build, we're building a, a personal CRM. Um, there is no real company that has built this yet and that is actually huge or that is making a lot of money. There is a huge graveyard, actually. There are ton, tons of personal CRMs who died. So um, no one has figured it out. Um, we're definitely not the biggest team we're definitely not the most well funded so um like we will I mean, i'll be honest we'll, we'll need a lot of luck um but besides this um it's clear that uh, one we need uh, a viral growth tool uh, you know, like, like what i love the example i love is calendly these guys just have just built a product that without them doing anything it will just grow get bigger and get shared because it's the way the product is built so we definitely want to take something from them and add it into our product um, and, and what else? Uh, yeah, I mean, like viral growth and yeah, if you just build something people love, then I think that's a pretty good start. Um, but otherwise that, that the strategy stops there <laughs> realistically. Yeah. Well, 
it's it's a great point um do you do you see do you think people put too much emphasis or value on strategy on the early days and they 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 spend too much time thinking about like competitors um I don't know. Well, how do you think about competitors? You, you know, there's other people uh, building stuff. You, you know, you mentioned he, like someone on the podcast came on and was talking about a CRM. So do you think about them at all? Or do you, are you just focus on your user? Do you collaborate with competitors? Like, how do you think about everyone else trying to build a similar thing? Well, I, I, I'm actually really in, in, in a collaboration mood. I actually reached, reached out to all of them because, I mean, at, at first my idea is uh, I need a personal CRM, but it's so much easier if someone else builds it, right? And I can just use this one. I don't have to build it myself. That's the easy solution. Unfortunately, this didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, well, then I'll do it myself. I, I, I reached out to all of them. Um, definitely we had some chats. To be fair, most of them are kind of scared. They're like, oh, he's building a personal CRM too, and they tend to not reply a lot or be like very cold or like, yeah, I can't tell you anything about this. Um, but yeah, no, I, we, we don't look at what ours are doing. Uh, definitely like once a month, I try to search for a personal CRM on Google and try to find out what's going on um, because maybe they figure something out. I mean, um, the, the most popular other personal CRM that is coming up is the guy from YC, Kevin, uh, with Dex. Um, and he has taken a different approach, kind of trying to build an integration for everything, you know, scraping data from Facebook, LinkedIn. I have no clue. Like, my, my guess is that this is wrong. This is not going to work. That It's maybe not the main value proposition, but maybe it is. So we're, we're definitely, it's crazy to see how um, far we are already from each other at this early stage. So give us a year and we'll be building a completely different product. I almost have a feeling that in a decade, you know, if and when Nat takes off, NatBot takes off and becomes one of the companies and not the company, I feel like one of the big competitors in this space will be superhuman. I, I feel like within, within, at a certain point, they, I, I can see them getting to this space, not first and not second and not 10th, but I, I don't know. I, I see this space really heating up and I see, but it's only the early days. I, mean, I, mean, I guess another question I have for you is why did you decide to start NatBot when you started it? I feel like the personal CRM question has been around for quite a while. Was there a timing thing or was it just a decision like, fuck it, you know, we're doing it today. Um, how, yeah. how, did you, how did you decide on the time? It was definitely a kind of a, uh, let's do it now. Um, uh, literally, we, we're still doing it part-time, right? I mean, I, I'm studying and uh, we, my co-founder, he's freel doing freelancing on the side to, to, to earn his living. Um, but this feeling is growing and growing that it's the right time. I was chatting with Dan Daniel from Pioneer like two days ago and he was like, man, it's, it's now or never. Like, and it's not going to work if you do it part-time. So it's, there is definitely a sense of urgency and that we need to do it now. What you said with superhuman is, is very interesting um, because I love their values. They're basically telling you, um, we can help you be better at emailing, but it's not an easy fix, uh, right? We can give you the tool, but you have to learn and, well, yeah, spend some time and learn and, and get better. And that's kind of the values we want to build too. Like, uh, we, we, we can help you, but we are not an easy fix and you have to give, give us something too. It's, it's a two-sided thing. What is the top one to three feature requests that you get? Or if you don't get like so many feature requests, what are the features that you want to build next? Not in a decade, not dream features, but like what's on the roadmap in, in, the, in the short term? 
yeah, uh, we, we get quite a lot of feature requests. Honestly, we don't listen to them at all um, because our users have no clue neither. Uh, as I said, honestly, they, I mean, ideally they would want an easy fix, but that's not something we can build. And usually they want features that actually won't help them. So a lot of feature requests are basically more integrations. And we're like, yeah, but how does it help you, right? I mean, we can sync your data from Facebook. We can scrape data from LinkedIn. But still, uh, you, this is, uh, we need data. We need, we need core data. And that, that's something you mostly get only through Gmail. Um, and, and the features we want to implement, it's, we're actually thinking very far already but because you, you see the potential. Um, but the data you get, knowing who knows who, this is super powerful. And so we were thinking of one idea would be kind of uh, go into a, a LinkedIn style where we can tell you, oh, you know this guy, he also knows this guy, and this guy and this guy is also someone you know. And kind of, kind of helping you expand your network, not only staying in touch, but actually uh, proactively growing it. And the other part is definitely similar to Pioneer, just adding more gamification, making it fun, having, I don't know, like 10 tasks, you know, like not 100, so it's not like a news feed, just 10 tasks per day, and then you go, you leave, and these tasks are like, you know, write a note of this guy. Um, yeah, like, like making it fun and enjoyable, and it's, it's a game, and you can win the game by staying in touch with your friends and professional network. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Can you describe, I don't know how to phrase this question, um, what is the most obvious but useless feature request, like a specific feature request that someone gives you? Like one that, you get, here we go, one that you get the most that you put the least weight in, if that makes sense? Yeah, <laughs> I would say it's um, integrate with Facebook. I think that's literally the most useless feature. First of all, because it's quite complex technically. And then um, even if you get uh, all the Facebook data, you just get the names without the emails and you still cannot connect them together. And you have to do some random guessing of, you know, this guy has the same name and this guy, so maybe it's the same. So I put them together, I merge them, but super risky and yeah, no. So I, 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 I don't have a feature request, but I just have a, a thought that you, you've, I'm sure I've already thought about but I think if you are the company to build the algorithm that enables me to look at any channel, whether it's, you know, for to start Gmail or just email, um, but eventually maybe even like Twitter, Facebook DMs, whatever. And it just maps, hey, you got this many people you haven't talked to in seven mm -hmm. years. You got this many people that are like, you're trying to, you're, you know, you, you sent them outbound messages. They didn't respond. They sent you inbound. You didn't. And you didn't respond. I, I feel like if you can just get super techie and build that machine and then plug that machine into whatever the hell you want, I can see that. Obviously, I can probably see any solution at this point because there's so many ways you can cut it. But yeah. I do think that like that gives you also a technology mode. That gives you like that that is not something people can just replicate. So if I was a VC, which I'm not, but if I was, <laughs> I feel like like that's a very product centric. Uh, it's a very like product forward uh, uh, kind of strategy and idea versus distribution, which some could say that's stupid. You got to build you know all in distribution. I think this is one of these things where like you got to get the product really right. Like it has to be great, and then if it's great, people talk about it. 
Yeah, and as I mentioned, because we are so small, we we can get easily copied. So even if we're super smart and build something great, it's, yep. it takes one day for another competitor to build the same. So we're definitely trying to find something that makes us unique and that someone cannot copy. And this algorithm is a good start, yeah. Well, you already have a giant moat and that you came onto the podcast, so you're going to be way ahead of that. <laughs> well, I, I know that you said you had a, had a hard stop, so I will, I will wrap it up and ask... Uh, the last question of of the day, um, you know, you are in the earliest stages of starting a company. It's the most exciting stages. It's the most horrifying stages. And, you know, I'm sure you can, you can empathize with like, sometimes the founders just need some help and you got all these people listening that, that want to help and, uh, and, and they're, they're waiting for this question. So my question to you is how can the listeners, how can the forward thinking founders community and how can I help you uh, with what you're working on and push the needle forward, um, you know, with that. Well, well, Matt, I, I love the question. Um, awesome. Um, realistically, one thing I'd, l yeah, okay, I have it. There are so many awesome tools out there um, that can help us as a company be better. Maybe it's some SaaS productivity tool. Maybe it's, I don't know. But I know that I don't know all the tools and I don't have the time to go through product hunt, <laughs> the whole thing. Um, so what I would love from your listeners is if they, well, they go on our website and they know about a tool that might potentially help us, um, then they can just email me this tool and I will give them uh, the premium access to NatBot forever for life uh, just because um, there, are, like, there are some tools that can so change our whole life. Uh, we were speaking about no-code tools and there are definitely great tools I'm not aware of and I would love to know about them. All right. Well, that's a good ask because I feel like the, the you know the biggest chunk of people listening in on the podcast are they're all based in San Francisco, like the biggest chunk. And I'm guessing I'm making the assumption that if they're in San Francisco and they're listening to this podcast, they're all techies, so they'll probably be able to help. Um, so great! Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot that I didn't know already about personal CRMs and how to think about them. And I think your approach is is definitely different and it sounds interesting and keep me posted because uh, yeah, I think, I think it's cool. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, there you have it. There is another way to build a personal CRM, one of dozens, as you now know. Um, if you got some value out of that podcast, if you, you know, enjoyed learning about the product, if you thought, you know, you have a new angle on the market, Please hit me up with a rating on iTunes, or, or better yet, in addition, become an angel investor of the podcast. For $10 a month or $100 a year, you get ad-free content, you get premium content that isn't available on, the, on the, the major RSS feed, you get access to our online community, and you get access to our in-real-life meetups, which the first one is going to be late January, and I'm inviting every guest I've ever had on. It's going to be great. It's only $10 a month. So if you really want to support, I hope you become an angel investor at glow.fm slash F20R. With that, I will see you tomorrow. Peace.